Hi, everyone. This is Leadership of Fools. I'm Colin Beatty, and we're joined in the online world uh, by Amanda Buckley Hello. and Rick Brown. It's me. It's Rick Brown. Hi. <laughs> Hello. You know, um, it's been a while. In fact, Rick Brown in particular, because in a moment I need you to update everyone with what you've been doing. Like it's, oh. You've become a TikTok sensation and you've... <sighs> become a uh been on a roller coaster colin like most of the world yes i've i've had the ups and downs that only 2020 can provide yes yes so maybe we'll start there but i'm 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 also flagging for everyone it's probably the first conversation the three of us have had together for a few weeks and it feels like everything is different it's almost like something's been keeping us apart (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, so let's start rick TikTok. let's go there first uh, yeah, look, uh, I've reinvented myself as an online TikTok sensation. I have tens of tens of fans uh, who really just look forward to my daily content. Um, <laughs> in the isolation, as everyone is aware, look, we're spending a lot more time at home with our families. And um, one of my daughters is very much into, uh, into TikTok dancing and has always been uh, pestering me to, to learn a few. And I thought, what better time? And so one, once a day, you know, she teaches me one of the dances. We, we put it up there and it gives me a slight cardio workout, which is always useful in these times of, um, of stationary activities. And, um, and it's, it's improving my coordination no end. And it, it seems to be, in some small ways, spreading a bit of joy out there to see um, a, a talented, coordinated uh, young lady and her you know, well-intentioned old father, get out there and learn 15-second bursts of choreography. And I say, why not? <laughs> now, I have to say, I have to say a couple of things. Um, or first of all, where do people find this uh, internet sensation? Uh, probably, uh, I, I upload them every every day onto my uh, Instagram. Um, I don't understand the TikTok. Uh, you can probably find them on there, I'm sure. But um, who knows? <laughs> it's out of my league, Colin. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm at um, underscore Rick dot Brown underscore uh, for all the um, the amazing, amazing choreographic uh, sensations that is me trying to dance. Yes, and I'm <laughs> going to just add one bit of uh, credibility to everything we're talking about right now. My daughter Rose, who is uh, not only a dancer but a, a, a very much an aficionado when it comes to TikTok quality mm-hmm. he actually constantly says dad rick's really good <laughs> so, i'm doing it i'm nailing it you're nailing it nailing it amanda brown oh amanda brown, <laughs> amanda brown. i've actually we've got some news what everyone we've got some this news is, uh, this is escalated quickly <laughs> a lot has changed in the uh <laughs> wow wow where did that where did that come from in my head I've been called worse. You've been called. Amanda Buckley. (laughs) How have you been keeping uh, sane over the last few weeks? Um, It's interesting. Uh, I'm a hobby sewing. I'm a sewing hobbyist. That's what I want to say. A hobby sewing. A hobby sewing. And um, so I I have been doing some sewing for mindfulness um, because I can be really focused while I'm sewing. I don't have to think about anything else. But it's interesting, uh, I've kind of, I've been reluctant to be overly creative. Um, I've been enjoying other people's content, but myself, I feel a little bit, not paralyzed, but just like, oh, I can't do that right now. And I'm, uh, I'm quite okay with that because 
I've been taking joy from other people's uh, uh, ricks. Uh, uh, my 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 brother, my bro- we're brother and sister. Oh, brother! That's, that's yeah, yeah, there was nothing. Yeah. I was a, you're, you're my sister wife. You're my sister wife. Yeah. Yes, I was implying nothing else. Nothing else. <laughs> as long as we name it. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying other people's stuff. But I think right now I've just been trying to uh, not fight with my child every day. And yeah. uh, so far, unsuccessful with that, but, <laughs> but we oh, just keep tough. trying. It's tough. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, like I think over the next, you know, uh, this conversation, I'd, I'd like to think we can uh, have, a, have a laugh, actually share some insights, but, you know, at the same time, just occasionally put the seriousness of the sense of, of the situation. It's, it's not easy. In fact, Amanda, you're saying about creativity, like for some people, that will be a healthy outlet for others. Like it's just, it's completely okay. If you actually do nothing more than just stay sane and stay connected as much as you can. And, um, you know, self care, care of your family. It is yeah. the time not to put any extra pressure on yourself. It's funny. Yeah. I've been, um, yeah, it's the things that are, I've certainly been turning to comfort. Um, uh, and so I've been, sewing because that i find a great thing that i can do just for me but i i I have always been someone who really enjoys baking i'm not very good at it i've never been good at it uh anyone that has seen my instagram account will often see my disasters but um uh as a former fat child i love to eat and so (laughs) i've i've been uh finding my inner child by baking a lot and uh, i made croissants from scratch i made my own puff pastry are you serious yeah, yeah. Wow. I was pretty happy with that. Looked delicious. Uh, it does. But they look were delicious. actually really good. Yeah, <laughs> they were really good. They didn't even turn out technically that well. Um, for people that are listening that know about uh, baking, my lamination wasn't great, but uh, holy moly, as if cooked butter isn't delicious. I mean, that's mm. basically all the croissant is—is is mm. bread, bread butter, mm. bread butter that you bake yourself. It's bread incredible. butter, baby. <laughs> and and if we. If I surveyed the uh, the the three of you that live together there, Amanda, the yeah. they would the three of you would rate which particular recipe highest. What's what's your what's the family pleaser? Yeah. Uh, uh the thing that I bake best. Yeah. Um. Uh, I do make this incredible. Just it's a butter cake. And um, it's just the Women's Weekly. I'm noticing a cookbook. butter theme here, Amanda. Yeah. Oh. There's a real butter theme. <laughs> If it's not butter, it's, <laughs> it's not, not worth cooking. Not I butter. make this. I butter. make this crumbed butter. 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 <laughs> <laughs> There's this crumbed butter recipe I do, <laughs> where you get butter, you dip it in butter, and then you wrap it in a crumb and you deep fry it in butter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that does sound good. It does. I do make I do make a mean a mean cake, and um, but we're we're trying not to bake too many of those. Uh, hot cross buns is on the list for tomorrow. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy uh, Easter. <laughs> yes, right. So um, I've uh, hijacked the hosting uh, seat for this episode of Leadership of Fools because um, I'm asking the two of you regular hosts to be guests today. And that My special is special uh, guests, Amanda. Very special. <laughs> the brother and sister duo uh, that the world needs now. Yes. If Amanda Brown to- and Rick Buckley. <laughs> It's fantastic. To Buckley, have you that's both. got a rock and roll feel to it. Rick, yeah, Rick I like Buckley. It. Yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> so, 
the question, and this is a question that I was reflecting on. Uh, it's the question of what role might the art form or the, the craft that is actually is improvisation, what role could that play uh, at this time? And I probably started thinking about it in respect of, uh, I probably started with the idea of dealing with uncertainty. And that is, as professionals, the two of you have trained yourselves to get on stage with very little certainty around where the performance will go, where the narrative will go. So kind of started with that. And then I started to potentially see some other links. And then I asked um, the world for some questions and we've got a few questions. Um, but maybe let's just start. Rick, what again is is improvisation just for people to get their head around it? Uh, listen up, fools. Uh, if you don't know what improvisation is, you haven't been paying attention uh, and you need to <laughs> you need to listen up and uh, fly, fly right. Uh, improvisation, we, we make stuff up on the spot. You know, we step on stage without any, any, any plans, any scripts, any uh, idea of how the show's going to pan out and we just, we rely on each other to create the, everything that you see before you on that stage. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is existing in that space of uncertainty and um, I think as improvisers, we, we have uh, sort of trained ourselves to launch ourselves into the unknown with a, with a certain gusto. Uh, so it has been an interesting time, I think, uh, seeing the rest of the world be plunged into that uncertainty um, that we've sort of voluntarily thrown ourselves into. Um, and it, I think in some ways it, it helped us adjust a little quicker maybe because we're sort of used to being in that space. It was more of a shock seeing the whole world thrust into that space, uh, suddenly I didn't feel so special. I was like, hey, <laughs> hey chaos is my, is my domain. Uh, who invited all you guys? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not cool anymore once everybody else is doing it, is it? Yeah, we're like, hey, we, we embraced uncertainty before it was cool, everyone. Yeah, yeah. We're I, I, I mean, I'd heard of uncertainty before you were even born. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was kind of that weird thing where there's the initial jolt. I mean, obviously, the, the global pandemic is nothing we've fully trained ourselves for as improvisers. Uh, it's, it's definitely well uh, out of our circle of expectation, if you will. Um, and so there was a definite jolt of um, going through the seven stages of, um, you know, grief, I, I guess you'd call it. Um, but I feel like I probably went through them much quicker and easier than probably someone who is facing this sort of uncertainty for the first time or, you know, is not used to this kind of wide scale sense of um, not knowing what's going to happen. Amanda, yeah. how much does that story resonate? Oh, completely. And it's, I mean, for me as well, there's an element of not just improvising skills, the idea of getting ready for change, looking for opportunities in everything, which is, I guess one of the things that we do as improvisers when we are performing is we're looking for offers, we're looking for opportunities and we see them potentially in anything. So that's possibly one of the reasons why um, there has been a lot of improvisers really thriving this time, not financially. They're not thriving financially. <laughs> but then we never were. We never were, Amanda. <laughs> exactly. So that part we're kind of used to. Yeah. But um, it's just the idea of seeing other things as opportunities. Um, and, and the idea of being obvious, what do I need to do now? What, what can I do now? Um, and we can think in the moment a lot better than say big picture. And 
for me, one of the more resonating things is I think that's also the life of many performing artists, which is, you know, doing jobs that we didn't know we would do. Uh, this is the opportunity. I'll take it. Um, I'm used to rejection. Uh, so <laughs> my, I have, I might cry a lot, but I don't cry for a long time, just little short spurts. Micro cries, um, that's what we're all about. <laughs> so I think there's there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of that that actually probably does assist us um, uh, from a mental health point of view as well. That a lot of like like Rick said, we've gone through the grief, but we go through that after every rejection we get. <laughs> uh, you. <laughs> We do. And sometimes you can have that rejection three times in a week, if you're lucky, because that every, means you audition. Every audition. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause that means you auditioned three times. Um, and when you do get a job, you are so flipping excited every time. Um, even if it's something that you go, oh, I wouldn't have imagined in my career that this would be the job I'm grateful for, but we are grateful for the jobs. And I think that that is something really special we have. Um, but it's also, uh, our disadvantage at the moment because our, our industry was really the first one to just be flatlined. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm now wondering whether there's uh, given you've made a livelihood, a career, this has been, you know, over a decade of training around this. Is there anything the two of you could offer around the topic of dealing with uncertainty or dealing with the unexpected? Um, so, I, and, and maybe I'll take one step back. What I'm hearing is that you are, you're human too. Both of you are human too. You've, you're going through your own grief stages, your own anxiety, your own fears, your own looking out for your immediate families. But there's something about improvisation that helps that to happen sometimes more quickly or more easily, those stages. So is there anything the two of you could offer? Yeah, I think one of the big things is, uh, as improvisers, uh, the, a big thing we work on is not thinking too far into the future and staying present in the moment. Um, and this whole sort of situation on a global level has forced everyone to zero into the now uh, a lot more. And um, I think it's encouraging people to be comfortable with existing more in the now and not um, not worrying so much what's been lost not yeah not um not clinging to the futures that might have been um because as improvisers when we're on stage we're always seeing a million possibilities of where the story could go um and having to let a lot of those possibilities go and i think we're all in the we're all in the process of letting a lot of those possible futures go and just zeroing in on what's happening now um and embracing yeah, embracing the now a lot more um, because we don't really have a sense of what the future is for the for the first time for a lot of people, I think. Um, even though the future is always malleable, people can often have a clear sense of where they want to head and it often manifests in that way. Whereas I think now that's there's been a, a there's been a disconnect with those um, imagined futures. So I think um, improvisation as uh, with the principles of improvisation help you uh, accept that more and uh, focus on what's happening now and what the just the very basic next step is. So we're 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 zeroing in those those possible futures into sort of um, the very near future as opposed to distant future. Yeah. Can I? Um, I mean, I know you're going to extend that. I, if I could just showcase what one of the things you've just said, then Rick, it's that sense that 
if you really watch an improvised show closely, you are literally watching the next most obvious step. It's, it's, you know, how many, however many people are on stage, it's them being not too far ahead of any one person. It's literally, you're saying one thing, Amanda, I'm picking up on that offer and I'm extending that offer. If I, if any one of us gets too far into the future, the whole narrative sort of breaks down. So that skill set yeah. of that mindset would be really, really helpful for us all at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that is a successful show is when it does take little steps forward. Um, uh, your, your best storytelling doesn't leap from, you know, hi, this is John who wakes up and he's stepped outside and whisked away to a magic universe. We want to find out the steps in between. Um, we want to do that in a way that is comfortable and not too jarring. And so that's why being obvious and the next step is really helpful. And the other thing, and I think actually, Rick, you might've suggested this one uh, to me in the past. This might be, I might be paraphrasing one of your. Oh, it definitely um, is. This is a, this is a Rick Brown gem, everyone. Lock it in. Trademark. I just, I just think as, uh, as your sister wife, I probably <laughs> absorbed this. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that uh, we never have to do all the heavy lifting ourselves. So we're, if we're building, if we're building the wall, it's just one brick at a time, and all I have to do is lay one brick down, and someone else will bring the next one. And Are I know you that's one brick down or one brick down. Uh, I do. I do try one to work. Rick Brown. <laughs> I try to work my name into most of my gems. Uh, it's a little trick I play. A little t Rick I play. <laughs> Yeah, try getting Buckley into things. It Got doesn't it. work the same uh, way. You, you don't have much chance. You don't have, I don't, I don't know, there's got to be a better way of saying that. I, I can't think of it though. <laughs> there are none. There are none. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. You don't have to do all the heavy lifting. So I think it's hard for us to imagine when we're working in isolation that we are part of a team. But most of us will be still part of a team. Organisations will still be looking after those individuals, hopefully. Um, and so you don't have to do all the heavy lifting. You just do the one thing at a time. And that idea of not looking too far into the future, not pre-planning what's going to happen, because inevitably in improv, if you pre-plan, you'll be disappointed and you'll, you'll, you'll find it really hard to see the things that are right in front of you. So if you are not pre-planning, if you're just going one step at a time, one offer at a time, and you're accepting them and taking them up and adding to them, you're, uh, you, you are minimising the chance of disappointment <laughs> and you're minimising the chance of uh, failure because you're not, you haven't set yourself up to fail. You're setting yourself up just to succeed in every individual task. So I think that's, that's a real great thing that we have is that we have no ability to even know what's happening tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know what's going to happen this afternoon and I'm not going to fret about it. Anything mm. that happens this afternoon could be a bonus. Yeah. You're going to deep fry some butter, Amanda. You know you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I... actually starting my own TikTok account, which is just me eating butter. <laughs> <laughs> Woodwatch. <laughs> uh, all of the best online companies always do a pivot. So Leadership of Fools, I knew was always going to pivot. It sounds like mm. we could pivot towards uh, TikTok training of dance skills for middle-aged men. Dancing and cooking. Yeah. Dancing yeah. and cooking. And, uh, yeah, deep-fried butter. Uh, that kind of reminds me, we've gone back to Elvis. Remember how our... Yeah. Seen, God, how long ago does that feel? And that was our 2019 oh. Oh. end edition. Feels that like was only four months ago. ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, and as improvisers as well, we, we train a lot in the um, in narrative and understanding story structure and all of that. Yeah, and um, yeah. and 2020 has been a funny one story-wise because it was almost like um, we talk in, in story structure about having a tilt or, um, you know, bringing something outside the circle of expectation to, to um, change the story in some way. And, and 2020 definitely did that narratively. I think we had, we'd settled into a nice sort of bushfire storyline there for a while and that was kind of resolving itself. And then someone brought in a new offer of global pandemic. And at, I think to start with, everyone went, well, we can't accept that offer. We should probably block that offer. And then for some reason, everyone just yes-anded the shit out of it. And that became yeah. what the story was. And we just had to go with it. And now we're just like, well, that's now we're in the global pandemic story. How did that yeah. happen? Stop yes-anding <laughs> everything, people. I'm, can I keep going with the story um, linkages? Because... Um, Circle of expectation. Rick, do you want to just kind of elaborate what that is? Because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, when we when we create um, stories on stage, we're always dealing with circle of expectation. So if we're, we've set our um, story on a farm, then there's a whole lot of stuff that's already in that circle of expectation for us and for the audience. There's animals on the farm. There's work that needs to be done on the farm. There's probably a tractor. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, someone's in the kitchen deep frying butter. It's a very nice <laughs> farm. Um, and so all these things are in the circle of expectation. And then we can tell a story within that circle of expectation, a simple you know, story about the people who live on the farm, or we can bring some stuff from outside that circle of expectation that's going to change the framework of the story. So suddenly, um, you know, a, a sort of day of day of the Triffids situation happens. Mm. The plants on the farm morph and start taking over the people. Uh, so if the plants suddenly become sentient and are, are taking out the farm workers, that changes the circle of expectation. Suddenly now we've got alien life forms, we've got a battle of survival, um, and all of this new stuff is now within the circle of expectation because we brought, you know, dangerous sentient life forms uh, in plant-like shapes onto yeah. the farm. Why would we do that? Because we're crazy improvisers. But and the idea with that as well, with that um, introduction of the thing that's outside the circle of expectation is that with, with that, with that um, example, Rick, it's, it's, it's just outside the circle of expectation. Their plants are already there. So you're kind of using what's in there to stretch it out. You're not completely bursting it. Mm. Um, if you suddenly just went, to Mars and we never heard about the farm again, that's just too much. But the idea of that it's still affecting the place that you set up, that you're still paying tribute to all those things that are in that circle um, is is the way that you can make the circle bigger and make it more interesting but not completely destroy it. Mm. So introducing, so story-wise, introducing a global pandemic is within our circle of expectation because we've had little shots at this in the past, your swine flus, your bird flus. Um, your SARS. So we're sort of used to the concept. So that didn't break our circle of expectation. But I think the global lockdown and isolation was well outside everyone's circle of expectation. And they sort of had to slowly introduce it to expand our circle to accept that as a narrative option. And then we went, (laughs) okay. Yeah. As long as we've got Zoom, we can make it work. (laughs) That's right. So what am I hearing in this? I'm hearing that audiences and in this case we are all the audience we we can at some level make sense of the world through a narrative form and we kind of at some level can accept an expansion of a circle of expectation but sometimes that acceptance will take us a bit longer especially when we keep on throwing these new challenges um can i can i keep going with this 
metaphor around story. And then I want to make sure I cover off on the, on the, uh, the questions that we have um, from our audience and two people that we both know, Alice, Alice Sidhu, who's a regular guest and, and Catherine sometimes White. Host. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes host and Catherine Whitehead from Lander and Rogers have Gen both, X represent. Yes. Um, both have mentioned to me recently about feeling like they were in the middle of a story or a movie and um, trying to work out what genre they were in, whether it was adventure or, or uh, horror or Everything's sci-fi. Everything's a rom-com if you want it to be. That's how I look at it. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then that sense of feeling really overwhelmed by the sense of just not knowing how this story is going to end. Um, is there anything you, the two of you can offer from an improv perspective about living with not knowing the ending? Well, I think that draws back to what I was talking about, about those imagined futures sort of um, being disrupted. Um, and that, yeah, that's just a case of you've got to, you've got to let those imagined futures go. And there's, there's no real clear, uh, uh, a clear path it, that, that we've based all of our knowledge and expectations on. We have to re- reframe all of that and zero, like I said, zero back into the now for the moment until we start to see uh, get more of a sense of what our new potential futures might be. Go ahead. Yeah, it is. It's it's definitely a letting go, isn't it? It's a, a letting go because you can't we we can't go back to the same fork in the road. It's happened. We're on this trajectory, and so to even if you end up with the same goal eventually, your path now is very definitely changed, and so you can't. We we certainly just have to narrow down on our uh, choices to the ones that are actually in front of us. So it means we have to be aware that there are more choices than we realise potentially. Um, They're just not what we thought they were going to be. So we need to just be mindful of the obvious things that are in front of us and work on those. So I I keep thinking of that be obvious Hmm. um, because there's no point planning for, there's no point really planning for much except your, like what is being asked of you today? What is being asked of you this week? Yeah, you could probably plan that far ahead, but we just don't even know next week what the rules are going to be because it's not just our personal rules. There are actual laws <laughs> that are changing. Rules. Literal laws, yeah. <laughs> so um, that idea of uh, we just can't we just can't look too far in the future. So we really do need to look at the present and what's in front of us. But also just being aware that um, zeroing in on the now and laying those next most obvious bricks in your wall um, isn't isn't stopping you from having those having futures it's just it's leading you towards something and those new futures will become clear along the way it's just knowing that it's going to take some time before we can sort of see what what those roads ahead might be oh yeah we i just realized that i'm painting a more doom and gloom <laughs> no no the future's great the future's we just gone. don't know what it's going to be <laughs> there is no future guys there's the now and then nothing <laughs> Just change your surname to Brown now. It's inevitable. <laughs> I, I'm actually feeling um, better in, in myself through going through the stages of acceptance. And I think it's something, it's a lot to do with living much more in the moment. Mm. Um, and I've kind of always known this about myself that I, 
uh, live a lot in my head and I examine, you know, uh, stories and uh, paint pictures and, you know, all sorts of weird things happen in, in there. And I've found myself far more grounded, far more uh, going through normal rituals at home, just connecting with what everyone needs, making the decision there and then, not even knowing. In fact, let me offer this, not even knowing what day it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and always thinking that that would always be a liberating moment when I didn't know what day it was. And I think it actually is quite liberating. There's something, something really healthy about it. Yeah, there are some freedoms amidst all the restrictions um, and there's some sort of removed pressures from being a part of this huge thing that everyone's going through sort of connects. While we're disconnected, we're also more connected in different ways, I guess, even yeah. like, a, you know, everyone's found a way to sort of connect online, obviously. Um, wish I'd bought stocks in Zoom, as I'm sure many people do. Um, yeah. But hey, you can't always see what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, yeah there's, there's more connectedness in the midst of the disconnection. Um, and there's sort of um, a sense of freedom in some of the areas that you weren't expecting and a sense of calmness amidst the chaos that you, uh, yeah, that sometimes you often feel a little guilty, I guess, that you, you're enjoying some aspects of isolation more than maybe you thought you would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's so true. Let me. We've got, we've uh, got um, isolation guilt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It is, I, and I, I just want to again, uh, being perhaps too much occasionally on social media through this time as well. Like it's, there are a lot of people out there saying what you should do, how you should feel, how you should cope, what you should do next. Uh, I think uh, take what you need, but let most of it go because. Uh, everyone's going to be on their own unique journey around this. And I suspect, again, if we do embrace the idea of dealing with uncertainty is a lot about being in the here and the now, uh, all of that stuff, you know, sometimes is just extra noise. Yeah. Those people who uh, tell us about mindfulness are sure onto something, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just, looking at you, Marika. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to you, Marika, in just in terms of just being here in the now, in the moment. And, and it is a skill. It's a skill to be learned and probably no better time to, uh, and again, this is not the pressure of learning new hobbies, but learning a skill that is going to be liberating for all of us around. Learn to be in the now, learn the ukulele, learn a TikTok dance, learn to deep fry butter. They're the love four it. things you should have nailed by the end of this isolation. <laughs> okay, we have uh, four people who've reached out with a couple, uh, some key questions. Let's let's go there with those. Rapid fire round. Quick fire round. Um, Katie Patterson, uh, shout out to you. Dealing with emotions and developing resilience. Uh, so the question was about, is there anything from improvisation that helps deal with, I'm going to make the assumption, self-emotions or just builds resilience? And I know you probably covered some of this already, but is there anything else? Yeah, we've got thick add? skin now. We've got thick skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get used to being told it's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> my acting dreams are over. <laughs> No, I think there's um there's a lot to be said about naming it. Um, if you, uh, I know in uh, in improv when people are up in their heads too much, we say you know get out of your head but get into your heart, as in 
um, stop thinking about this, just acknowledge how you're feeling or for us, it'd be how your character's feeling. So I think naming how you're feeling is the first way that you can actually start dealing with how you're feeling. Um, if you feel fine, great. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel, that's not a bad thing. If you feel anxious, great, name it. So then you can actually deal with some of the anxieties. I think it, I'm, I'm definitely no psychologist, like as in I'm definitely no psychologist. Um, but I the think court that, has ordered her to state that she's definitely, definitely not a psychologist. Twice. Amanda, not a psychologist, Buckley. Um, I am a psychiatrist, though. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, Amanda, not qualified to say anything, except uh, I, think, I think naming stuff is really helpful because yeah, then you can actually acknowledge it and work it out. And I think that's what we do. I, I certainly, as an actor, if I'm not acknowledging disappointment, if I'm just going, yeah, I'm fine, I'm really just pushing stuff down. I know that's part of dealing with it is actually allowing myself to be um, sad for a moment or angry or frustrated, but then I have to move on. I can't, I, I've got to acknowledge that stuff and allow it to allow myself to feel it, um, certainly with rejection and things like that, but then I have to just move on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, actors and, and improvisers have definitely, we we dwell in extremes of emotion a lot more on stage and also as a career you're sort of forced to confront like we've said disappointments and and um excitement uh on a regular basis and so i think we're sort of used to feeling those extremes of emotions and acknowledging them um and and not letting them define us i guess just knowing that they're a part of the moment and um that a new emotions on its way sort of thing um and so i guess people who are sort of used to maintaining a more level um, life, I guess, um, in, the, in the choices they've made and not becoming actors and improvisers is the good start in having a more level life, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but, I, but I guess that means they're not used to existing in those extremes of emotions in the way that we are. And so I guess it's knowing that each extreme of emotion means you'll be more, you'll be more accustomed to it next time you, you experience it. And it's just a case of, yeah, ride the waves and um, you, you'll, you'll soon become a very good surfer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's so true. <laughs> the next question comes from Kate Crawshaw, who uh, Kate made a connection, Rick. I think she might have trained. We're with huge you, in the Kate community. Kate's um, love this podcast. Yeah. Kate. Kate mentions that she actually, uh, I think she might have done a couple of impro classes with you or trained with you. Um, so I do train exclusively Kate's, so that yeah. makes sense. So the question is twofold again. Uh, how to deal with online inertia, which I'm assuming means just too much. Uh, and secondly, are there any impro activities that might work online to help with the inertia? Inertia is that the, is that what it means? Inertia doesn't that mean like when you can't get movement, you can't you can't yeah. get momentum. Do you want me to my, look it up? <laughs> yeah, please. My, I feel like it's like when you're online, but you. I, I feel I like she's asking what to do when you're online, but you're not accomplishing anything because you're just sort of yeah, you're stuck. You're um, stuck in the rut, and I guess there's more distractions when you're just working from home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you have and, to when a scene has inertia. I look, I'm looking up the meaning. Uh, a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. So yep. I think that idea of being unchanged is relevant. Um, yeah, I think when a scene, ha you have to you have to make something happen. So I think you have to change your routine or just um, 
ask a friend. (laughs) (laughs) We would normally have a person come in to a scene to change things up. It needs something new. It's getting tired. So I think that would be if your routine is getting tired. Yeah, there's something Yeah, and as improvisers... As improvisers, we know when when a scene needs something, um, and I think if you're online, not accomplishing anything, you get a sense that you've hit that point where you're like, "This is," and and it's, so it's up to you to bring something new in, either you know, to go for a walk, um, yeah. you know, mix it up, learn a TikTok dance, deep fry some butter. You know, there's things that we advocate yeah. as a group. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> f- find a way to jolt yourself out of it and bring and bring new energy into what you're doing. Um, and it's sort of up to each individual what what those methods are going to be. Yeah, I was just about to say that idea with the shape of show as well. Like if you've got, if we're doing a show and we've had a whole lot of scenes in a row that have the same colour or flavour, um, certainly the people that are off stage would be looking to mix that up. Um, so we'd be looking to change the energy. So I guess um, if you were working a certain way at home and you're feeling like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. And this is it, like, I, I remember this is the same advice for kids when they're studying for the um, BCE or HSC. Um, it's the idea of mixing that up, set time limits, uh, be more productive in 10 minutes than you would in an hour if that's how you work. Great. But you've got to, I guess there's also experimenting, which is what we do on stage as well. You just got to try something. It, it, it might fail. That's the mm. thing. It, it really might fail. Uh, and let's face it, a lot of the stuff does. But if you're willing to give something a go, if you're willing to try and mix it up, um, you, you will inevitably find something that does stick. Change your wallpaper. That's, yeah. that's the biggest, <laughs> the best advice I can give anyone who's looking at a computer. Just always change your wallpaper. Can I also add to this? I think, um, I think assuming, especially when we're dealing with, say, team meetings, assuming that they are going to run to the same sort of rhythms as they would in person, and that might even be the simplicity of if it typically ran an hour, the likelihood is the online version of it would run 40 minutes, half an hour. Um, so I think there's something that I suspect might be playing out there, which is I'm just going to try and do exactly what I used to do in person um, the same way. And I don't think that's the answer to this dilemma. Yeah. I, I taught a class online the other week um, and I, yeah, I certainly had to make adjustments and there were things that I know actually really didn't work in the class. It wasn't, it's, and it's just because I hadn't rehearsed it before because who gets to rehearse this? Um, The first time you teach the class is the first time you teach the class. So what I would have done in person, I did my best to replicate the content and I know the content was there, but the delivery, it's so different when you're dealing with people on a screen and you're trying to interact that way. So there are things I learned from that straight away that if, if and when I decide to run that class again, I certainly know what I would do differently. So that's the other thing is not being afraid to admit what worked and didn't work. Hello, feedback. Um, and uh, learn from that and apply it as well. And, and I think it's also about, uh, especially, I mean, we might be talking both to the person chairing the meeting, but also the person in it. Like if you need to shout out, like I need a break, like I need to, you know, can you bear with me? I'm, got to go deal with something or let's let's shorten this meeting um you know i'm committed to what you're trying to achieve but i just can't sustain this at the moment you know let's hope that we actually are meeting people's human needs in this journey as well 
Um, let me keep going. I'm going to come back to the second part that Kate raised. Uh, and I don't know whether the two of you will be able to answer it, but let's not, let's hold it for now. It is about whether impro activities would work online. Um, but let me go to Letitia, Letitia Dun Duncan, who said, how do you walk the line between positive thinking and being okay not to be upbeat? Oh, I, I think we probably talked a little bit yeah. about that, about the, 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 the wide variety of emotions that we're used to experiencing. So we're sort of used to uh, yeah, oscillating uh, between positivity and despair. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I think it's... I'm laughing because yeah, it is the extremes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we always try to attack things with a positive attitude um, where it's, when it's useful and... Um, and oh, I can't think of the word. Um, oh, I can't think of the word. It's gone. It's, it's Optimism. Like, yeah, something. No. Uh, let it go. I'm just gonna let it go. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm in now I'm full of despair. <laughs> Amanda, you, Amanda, you have the reputation, and and I don't know how well. I've, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. You ha do have the reputation of being very optimistic, very upbeat. A B positive. A B yeah. positive. Yeah. Uh, so it's my blood type as well. Yeah, and your how, outlook. How does that? How does that question sit with you when you're actually, you know, you're not going to be upbeat all of the time? Like, how do you? No, it's reconcile that. It's, and, yeah, yeah, it's really true. And I, I think about this often because, um, uh, on a personal level, uh, like certainly my partner sees that I'm not AB positive all the time. <laughs> um, he sees something very different. Um, but I think I think that's because. Like personally, I've always got my energy from people. So I think, I think I'm what's called an extroverted introvert or an introverted ex, no, I'm definitely extroverted. Um, but I think that is, I, 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 when I'm with people, you will all, almost always get a very vibrant Amanda. I, 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 I. It's showtime, baby. <gasps> I might be a parasite. I was going to say, I get my, I get my energy from the people around me. I suck them dry, um, <laughs> but um, I because I I just find that that uh, that does energize me. So I find it actually very very easy to be optimistic around people because people are great, right? I mean, look at this crazy world we're living in, and it's a sunny day outside, and I'm going to go for a walk. And I don't know about you, but that's going to make me feel good. And there's that <laughs> butter in the fridge to look forward to later. So um, <laughs> there's. Lots of silver linings, but at the same time, I really, really, uh, I think having that um, extreme sense of joy at times, and I do, I, I, I really do feel really joyful at times, I, that, that has to have a balance, and I do feel very dark a lot. Uh, I've, I've, um, I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm definitely uh, someone who has suffered depression in the past, and... Um, uh, I know it's there and I can feel sometimes it creeping up again. Um, and so then I do the things that I know I need to do to, that, that, that will help me because I do know it's a very quick spiral downwards. And that's, uh, that's a, I, I think if you look at the whole idea of a seesaw, um, that's a bit of a no brainer, really. Someone that's going to be as happy as me in public a lot is probably going to be recharging and as uh, reflecting uh, quietly as well yeah. um, and, it's, and it's having that emotion, emotional intelligence around that as well knowing when sitting in that sort of downbeat phase or sitting in that depression is going to be 
useful to you for a certain amount of time and knowing when you need to jolt yourself out of it, like when you've got the online inertia. So yeah, knowing when those emotions are useful to you and um, can, can be indulged in some way and knowing when you need to shake yourself out of certain situations and certain moods. Um, and that's just um, being used to those emotions and how they feel and, and the outcomes of them and, and yeah. emotional intelligence, um, which I guess we have uh, a certain level of as actors and improvisers. Um, and people just need to work on that side of things to know when those emotions are useful, I guess. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what it is, Rick. It's giving it the time it needs. And when I know when I'm in a in a quieter, darker space, it's like, okay, this needs to change now. Um, mm. Because there comes a point where, like, yeah, sitting in something and luxuriating in it uh, becomes then just the, yeah, suffocating. Yeah. If I can also extend what, uh, we, and I'm loving this part of the conversation. In fact, I've loved everything. Mm -hmm. just, just to be clear, loved everything. We've, We've never been better than we are yeah. during this global yeah. pandemic. That's right. That's right. We're at our absolute peak. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to uh, offer something, particularly those of you in people leadership roles, and um, something probably does concern me a little. Uh, there's always been a, a slightly problematic message that, uh, it's your responsibility to uh, also impact on the mood of the team. So whatever mood you're in, you're going to influence the team. Now there's truth in that. And yet I think what absolutely uh, trumps that or absolutely is a priority to that is right now we just need, uh, you know, the technical turn is authentic leaders uh, cut to the chase. We just need real, we need, honesty uh and many of you will now be reflecting on politicians and uh, global leaders and the ones that are really resonating are coming from a place of um you know real honesty and and most of the news is not good news um but we are adults and uh, in a work environment we're definitely adults and i think it's time to treat people like adults and that includes your own personal journey around this. So I don't have answers for that, but I do think there's a few. I don't even think you had a question. No, I don't, maybe not. Maybe not. We'll take that as a statement. That's a statement. Yeah. But a bit of myth busting that you don't have to be responsible for everyone else's mood. You have to be responsible for clarity, for actually sending a clear message, making hard calls, um, and also being on a real human journey with everyone else. Um, so on that note, let me close on the fourth question, which is from Isabel Smith, who's also a, a friend of Leadership of Fools. And she asked the question, uh, again, I suspect we've probably touched we, on all of this. Do we get many emails from enemies of Leadership of Fools? Uh, that's, a really, <laughs> that's probably our next challenge. Uh, heroes of Dear Leadership of Fools, why are you so useless from your nemesis, Dr. Distracto? Are you even a real ship? <laughs> oh, I so want to do that episode now. <laughs> See, villains. opportunities present themselves at every turn. The Leadership of Fools radio play coming soon. <laughs> uh, Isabel Spitt, uh, who is a friend. I think. Mm. Uh, or is she? Yeah, or is she? How do you keep focused? How do you deal with distractions, the physical distractions, the environment distractions, the mental distractions, the emotional distractions? And so maybe let me ask 
what I drew meaning from in this question, uh, how do you on stage not get distracted with being on stage? Like the, you get distracted by the audience, distracted by the, how do you actually stay focused on stage? Are you going to say control the controllables, Rick? I'm going to, if I could find a way to work my name into the phrase control the controllables, I'd say it, but I can't find a clear way that my name fits in that phrase. So I'm going to let you have that one, Amanda. Oh, okay. I'm going to say control the controllables. So certainly um, where if, if we have the opportunity to set up our own stages and things like that, we'd be looking at making sure that the seating is in, in a bit like that everybody can see us. Um, this happens uh, less with uh, public shows than they, but it does happen a lot with corporate shows where we have an, a chance to look at the room and we'll change the stage. We'll set up seating a certain way. We'll definitely ask um, for no food or drink service during the show um, or minimise that where we can. Um, we wouldn't have plates clearing during a show uh, if it's a dinner show. Um, we'd make sure that if we need mics, we're mic'd, are we lit well, all of those things. So that that's, that's the first and foremost to reduce the... Uh, to, to highlight what we can do and make sure that our audience ha will not be distracted. So that's something we can control. And then there's what we do as performers when we're on stage standing opposite our partner. Rick? Yeah, and also, yeah, um, just prepping your mindset as well when, when we go in. So we try to get in a, in a focused mindset before we step on stage, which, again, is controlling the controllables because that's sort of... Um, when we're on stage, we don't know what's going to happen, but before stage, we can make sure that we're in a, we're in a headspace where we're going to be able to focus on each other and the story. Um, and we're going to be in a creative mindset. So yeah, if, if you're trying to avoid construct distractions and um, increase your focus, it's, it is all those things, making sure you're limiting the distractions and making sure that you're doing the most that you can to get yourself in a space where you're not going to feel like being distracted and that you're going to be able to focus as, as much as you can. Yeah. Um, I know uh, from a work from home point of view or like the other day when I was teaching online, um, I'm I often am in this room, which is a spare bedroom we have. Um, and so there are things that we would do. I lit the room. I made sure that my phone was off and that uh, I had no other tabs open on my screen except Zoom and um just to minimise the chance of anything interrupting so that I could just stay focused. And I did my prep work before the class started. So I knew what I was going to be teaching. So I'd gotten in the right mindset, like we've suggested. Um, and then you just have to be ready as improvisers. We have to be ready for that to not go to plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's Which the other thing is just being adaptable, being flexible and adaptable. Um, Which takes us back full circle yeah. to kind of where we started around the uncertainty and the unexpected um i'm going to finish and try to close with this one piece i'm going to go back to the question from kate which was the second part uh and um this comes from a place of curiosity for me as well i, I know that the art form of improvisation works in the moment uh that it's not always well represented on video on tv um, it tends to be a face-to-face -face experience. It tends to be an experience where if I am in the audience and I go home and tell my family all about it, they kind of start shaking their head going, 
what <laughs> what the hell are you talking about that sounds like crap that sounds naff the plants uh, on the farm came to life yes. ridiculous yes so rick um, has a sister wife <laughs> <laughs> so the question is is there any impro activities that could work online and i'll also give you a bit of an out if that's something you want to keep reflecting reflecting on and we come back to it we can. No, I, there definitely is. I, I think probably performance-wise, um, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done to to figure out what the best way to perform improv online is. I don't think anyone's necessarily cracked that code yet because it's a very new, no one's ever really had to focus on that before because it has been such a live theatrical experience. Um, and so I, I don't think anyone's figured out a great way to do an actual performance of improvisation as yet. I think there's definitely a chance they will given enough time and, you know, experimentation, but there's definitely those training exercises and improv um, games and, and that sort of thing. There's a whole bunch of just like word-based games that work fine online and, and are useful in terms of training those um, improv skills of, you know, being in the now and not thinking into the future and being adaptable and being able to change and pivot and all that stuff. So there's a whole bunch of those exercises that I'm sure Amanda has more sense of because she's run some online workshops as, as mentioned. And Amanda, just before you get, you necessarily respond to that, like that's something, cause we've, I know in the background, we've been kind of thinking about how to provide some of those to people. Uh, I don't yeah. know that this conversation will be the answer to that. It might be something we record separately, uh, you and Rick and Liam and Carl and Jason and whoever else we need to get involved. We could actually just start to demonstrate some of those word games yeah. because if this continues on for a lot longer period, people, teams in particular, are going to need um, need not only games to keep them in the moment but games to keep them sane as well yeah and i think the ultimate uh, at this stage um with the work that uh the companies that we work with and the, the 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 other ensemble members that we work with one of the things that we're just keeping at the forefront at the moment is just connection so it's just about connecting with each other um it's funny the things that we're running online uh the and and in there's a there's a troupe that I'm a part of that we've, we've done a regular Sunday jam. Um, the work is not advanced work. We're, we've gone stripped right back to basics in order to do this stuff online. Um, and, and the more we're doing it, the more ideas we're getting to, you know, oh, maybe I'll try this exercise now. But most of it is just basic connection work. So it's, most of it's about being present. Most of it's about just saying, you know, getting out of my headspace of my world and just being in the moment exercises. So there's certainly stuff that can be done with companies where the expectation is not that you're going to learn how to be an actor, but you can just do some, a really fun exercise with two or three people um, or even in a team, you could do something and you could just refresh yourselves or get in the mind space or suddenly just be in the room properly ready for a meeting. Um, that stuff is certainly doable. Um, is at the moment the work very good? Not, not really, but that's not our expectation. Our expectation is just to connect with each other and keep that connection happening because we do have this muscle of improv that we are up till now very used to flexing regularly in very many different ways. And now we're having to just remind ourselves 
that we can still just keep it working simply just by connecting and being present. So it's inter it's a very interesting time for um, improvisers and uh, because how do we keep our craft alive? Yep. How do we adapt it to something different? For a lot of us, uh, especially given recent uh, recent monetary schemes that have passed that have kind of left us out. Um, uh, it's about working out how, how do we sustain this? How is there, is there ways we can make money? Um, hire and me if, and if see. If there are politicians uh, listening right now, the shout out is what to look after our artists, look after our casual workers. Um, yeah. That's the shout out there. Uh, yeah, the performing arts freelancers have really taken a hit. The nature of casual work is that we don't have the same boss for any period of time. It's a gig economy. We go from gig to gig to gig, which means different um, different employee, employer, different employer. So we don't qualify for any of the um, schemes, unfortunately. If, yeah, um, we kind of fall through the cracks of everything. There's always like a one part of the thing you, you read it and you're like ah oh, that's not me yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah. just um and again you may not have a call to action around that but if there's people listening and they could support that cause is there a way to do that uh buy your favorite actor a coffee <laughs> i'm <laughs> not, not in sure person. If, not in person not in person um look i could i could provide bank details <laughs> That's great. Why not? Why not? In fact, um, <laughs> actually, you've triggered sponsor, something for me. Well, you can sponsor a child in Africa. Why not sponsor a performing <laughs> artist in Australia? Yeah, yeah I like it. I like Why that. not sponsor a performing artist in Australia? Yeah. yeah. So you got, you got me thinking about a few things. So just, uh, and in the, spirit, in the spirit of transparency, the two things are, um, I would love to uh, speak to both of you about um, putting something up online about actually demonstrating those types of team exercises. I think it's, and I think it's probably a video format unless you suggest otherwise. It's not conversational. It's actually demonstration um, because the, the skill set of being present in the moment. Um, and I think the two of you perhaps underplay the, the power of those exercises. Um, and when I say underplay, it's because you've gone and, embraced them and gone way beyond them. But I think for teams, they're going to really make a difference. Um, and secondly, Leadership of Fools makes no money. Uh, it hasn't made, uh, it's not, hasn't been for that purpose, but. We've transcended money. Yeah, we've transcended, transcended that's right. But I, <laughs> but, I, but I know there's lots of uh, mechanisms for people to donate to uh, creative content. And in this case, I think we, um, Let's, we'll, we'll think this through, but I think it's probably time for us to call out and shout out, uh, you know, for us to keep doing this creative content, we probably all need some uh, support because it's going to get harder and harder um, to keep going. Sponsor your favourite. Yeah. yeah. Sponsor your favourite fool. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Except yeah, make it a competition. Good idea. Yeah, except if you're an enemy, uh, which I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that episode so much now. No, if you're um, an enemy, just donate to one person specifically to, to, to tear us all apart. Yeah, that's right. But I know I have to go learn A minor on my ukulele right now. And mm, I'd imagine... Tough chord. Yeah, and that chord. butter won't deep fry itself. Yeah, that's so. right. And Rick... <laughs> and surely... I actually do literally have to go and right now and learn a TikTok dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Am so, I allowed um, to... It's Am so I nice to, to speak to you all. Oh, yeah, yeah, which I've done a couple of, but yeah. Everyone smile. I know my lighting's not good because 
I forgot to look at the camera. Yeah. All right. right. You ready? Oh, that's better. Is it? And smile. Oh, this makes great audio content, yeah, doesn't that's it? That's right. And, and Will, I'm in an area where Will has a posters on the background of... I know, real um, man posters, just like manly and, movie posters. And oh. man. <laughs> so, yeah, just, yeah, just shout out to diversity. Um, <laughs> all right. Lovely to speak to you both. Hi to everyone. Stay safe, everyone. Um, and um, we'll, we'll, hear, we'll, we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. See you right. on Thanks, TikTok. Thanks, Carl. See ya.